This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. So we are talking about hope today. We're talking about going from being hopeless to hopeful. Everyone say hopeless to hopeful. We're going we're to look at this one verse here in Psalms 119, 49. 49 says, remember the word unto your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. Everybody say caused me to hope. So I just want to again talk about how God's word will cause you to hope. That's why we need to be in church no matter how old you are. You need to hear the Word of God because the Word of God will bring you hope. Amen. I said this morning, we as human beings always are looking for answers. It's a normal thing if we have a problem, if we have a challenge, if we're going through something, then what we're going to do as human beings, naturally, we're going to try to find a solution. We're going to try to find an answer. It's a normal thing for you to do as a human being. But here's the problem. If you don't go to the Word of God first and really seek the Word, you will look for answers somewhere else. And the Word of God has your answer. And the first thing it will do is supply you with hope. That no matter what this challenge is like, no matter what it feels like, no matter how overbearing it may seem like and overwhelming, the Word of God will, the Bible says, your Word has caused me to hope. So that I won't look somewhere else for an answer. Now listen, you can go to the world and the world will give you all kinds of, listen, not all, excuse me. Not all information is truth. Now I just said something that was simple, but it's actually, remember this, not all information is truth. Just because you can Google something, just because you can find something on Wikipedia, just because you can, you know, just remember not all those answers are truth. Right? Right? So the first thing that we should do when we get into a situation is run to the Word of God because the first thing that will happen when you get into a challenge or a problem is your hope will begin to wane and your hope will begin to go down. But the Word of God will cause you to hope. If you've got a business that's struggling, get in the word of God. There's so many verses in here about business and you get to that word and read those words out loud and all of a sudden your hope will come back on. Can you shout amen? Amen. So, uh, because the the word of God never bends, it never breaks, it's always the same. Now, we're not going to spend any time in the book of Job, but the book of Job is a very complex book. Because some people believe it's one of the oldest. It's not that it was at the beginning, but it's one of the oldest books in the Bible. 
even though it was put in the middle of our Bible. And, and there's so many things that Job does not understand about his life. He doesn't know that the devil came in chapters 1 and 2 and got a conversation going with God and found out that, that he could come and he could attack. Job doesn't know about all this. Like everybody in that day, they thought if you got sick, if you got hurt, if you lost something, that God did all of it. They just assume that if anything happens on planet earth, God does it. If you get in a car wreck, God calls it. If you break your own arm, God calls it. We've been, and unfortunately, we still believe some of that really bad religion in church. But if you read all the book of Job and if you can stay with it, all 42 chapters and get to especially verses 38 and 39 and 40 and 41 where God straightens Job out. And he says, now hold on a minute. You've been saying things that you don't know anything about. And you've been coming to conclusions that aren't even true. And then he finally says to Job, where were you when I created the world? So understand, if you're going to get answers, come to me first. He had some friends that gave him some good information and some bad information. He had a wife that told him, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, I, I'm glad I didn't marry somebody that when, when I do something stupid, that she doesn't say, why don't you just curse God and die? I'm glad I got a wife that says, no, you don't. Don't you say that. This is what God says. Amen. Amen. But we see a lot of different things happening in the book of Job. So now we're going to find this one part here in Job 6.13. I'm going to read from the Living Bible. And here's what it says. This is Job's, I am utterly helpless without any hope. Job got to a place where things got so hard, he had been attacked physically. Some of his children had been killed in a storm. His friends were beginning to question his relationship with God. He had lost uh, his money, so to speak. He, you know, his, his farm and all of that had been attacked as cattle. So he was in a really bad place. And he said this, I'm without any hope. When I saw that in the Bible, I started thinking to myself, and, and I thought about all these years that I've been pastoring and I've seen people in every kind of situation you can even possibly imagine. And I've, I've, I've done over 400 funerals, so I've seen people in some really dark moments of their life. And I thought to myself, what causes people to lose hope? What are some things that cause people to lose hope? So I want to point some out to you today. But as I point them out, I want you to think about, and you may be able to relate to some of them, but I want you to think about how God still said, no matter what, you can still get hope. Because remember, these three abide faith, hope, and love. There's an endless supply of hope, and even when you are in the worst moments of your life, God, if you'll run to him, you can find hope. And if you find hope, you can get to faith. And if you can get to faith, all things are possible. I've seen people that, I mean, you would have just, I mean, they are down for the count. I mean, we're at the 10 count. And I mean, I mean, you know, the referee has already got his arm coming. This, and at the last second, their eyes pop open, their legs pop up. And they've got, and some of them have gone on to accomplish incredible things after being seemingly done. I love that about the Bible. The Bible is a book of hope. It'll tell you, I don't care if you go through divorce, if you go through a death, if you go through a defeat, if you go through a setback, if you go through a sickness, if you go through a disease, no matter what you go through, the Bible will supply you with hope that you can start all over again. 
aren't you glad we serve a God? Somebody said he's the God of the second chance. I said, no, he's not. He's the God of the next chance. Because I've had more than two chances in my life. Thank God for it. Amen. Ten things, I'm going to give them to you quickly, that can cause hopelessness. And I want us to think about them for just a couple of minutes. Number one, tragedies. Everybody say tragedies. What is a tragedy? It could be like an untimely death of a loved one or a friend, someone close to you. You know, again, having done all these funerals over the years, I don't know if there's anything that can take hope away from a person quite as much as a death of someone that you really love. And I'm not talking about one where they've been sick a while and you kind of had time to prepare and even that can, can really hurt you. But I'm talking about an untimely death. Those are the kind of things that can happen in life and they can really work against your hope. Can you say amen? Now I told the first group, I don't often in this church quote the Dalai Lama, but I'm going to quote the Dalai Lama this morning. The Dalai Lama number 14. Here's what he said, and it's really a good saying about this thing about tragedies. He said, there's a saying in Tibetan, tragedy should be utilized as a source of strength. No matter what sort of difficulties, how painful the experience is, if we lose hope, that's our real disaster. Now, I like what he said there. He said that if we lose hope, that's our real disaster. Actually, sometimes... When people die, and it is hard, you know, I haven't had a mom on this earth now for almost 30 years. I haven't had a dad really ever. Uh, uh, my brother died, you know, 16 years ago. The only brother that I was raised with, even though I'm one of nine children. Uh, my sister died a year and a half ago, one of my sisters, and they didn't even tell me when she died. And she'd been buried and gone a long time. I didn't even know. They didn't even tell me. And so, you know, all of this stuff, but, 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 you know, I've also seen people that sometimes when, when, sometimes when people die, that if the person knows God and knows how to tap into the hope that's in the Bible, I've actually seen them over time rise up and even get stronger. Because sometimes that's what you have to do. Yes. I was talking to Dorothy here in the back room this morning. This is my sister-in-law. Everybody say, hi, Dorothy. Hi, Dorothy. Now, you know the stories. When we were dating back in 1981 at the end of the year and then all into 82, we got married at the end of 82. When we were dating, we would go to Dorothy and her husband's house, Lonnie, because we didn't have any money. We had like zero money. So our date night was we'd go over to her sister's house and we'd play games because we didn't have anything else to do. And uh, Dorothy was so sweet to welcome me into the family and everybody welcomed me into the family and, and that was a big deal. And of course, in the last little over a year, Dorothy has had her husband of 54 years go to heaven, had her son, her only son, I mean, she's got daughters still here, had him just a couple months later. This happened within a couple months. But where's she at today? In church. She's not just in church, she's on the front row, y'all. Some of you, I still can't get you on the front row. I've been begging for you to come up here and sit so I could spit on you, but you won't do it. And this, this is holy spit. This is, this is the mist of the spirit coming out here. And we were talking in the back room, and I know it's been hard on her. You're not married 54 years, and, and suddenly you're not going to feel the impact of that or have your son pass. But I, I noticed how there's a part of her that's actually gotten stronger. Yeah. 
Because she's stronger in the Lord. I, you're stronger in the Lord now. I really believe that. I see her. I see her in church. I told her this morning, I said, I'm proud of you. Amen. Everybody say, we're proud of you. Proud of you. Yeah, we're proud of Dorothy. Amen. So tragedies come and they can zap your hope and make you feel like I can't make it. But I like what the Dalai Lama said here. He said the real tragedy is if we lose hope. Because even if we lose a person, if we keep our hope, God will help us to keep going. Can you shout amen? Second thing is storms. Everybody say storms. Now, all of us that live on planet Earth are going to be subject, and we're not talking about natural storms. We're talking about storms of life. I'd like to tell you I haven't had any storms, but I've had some storms, and it hasn't been pleasant, and storms are never pleasant, and they're, they're hard to deal with. And, and one thing I've noticed about storms, no two are ever exactly alike, and that's problematic because if every storm was the same, you could pretty much tackle the next one because you'd already been through it. But every storm has a little variation. You know, I'm a weather person. I love meteorology. And I mean, I was going to be a meteorologist and all of that. And, and I've noticed that every storm has some different components and different aspects. And it may hit here. And the next one may hit here. This one may have wind. This one may have hail. This one may have heavy rain. This one might have a lot of lightning. But very rarely are two storms ever alike. And when you go through a storm, you lose, you lose hope sometimes. Everybody say, lose hope. lose hope. Now, just so you know, uh, V is going out now with one of her grandchildren, and that is our goddaughter right there that Ronnie's holding. That's Sanaya right there. Everybody say, hi, Sanaya. Yeah. So, uh, storms. Now, listen to what, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this person's name, but I love quotes. Machona de la Buejo said, the storm, you're going to love this one. Listen to this quote. The storm is what they threw at me and a hurricane is what I became. Whoo, I like that. The storm is what they threw at me, but the hurricane is what I became. In other words, that storm that came and thought it was going to destroy me actually empowered me and brought up the fight that was in me and caused me to get up and fight back. Everybody say the storm that was brought against me caused me to become the hurricane. <laughs> yeah. He said, yeah, the storm that threw at me, the hurricane is what I became. Amen. So you need to call yourself, next time you're introducing yourself, you need to say, yes, hello, I'm Hurricane Christina. I'm Hurricane Jerome. I'm Hurricane David. I'm Hurricane Taylor. I'm Hurricane Camille. Say it out loud, Camille. Who are you? All right. Who are you? All right. Who are you? Who are you, Tim? All right. That's what I want to hear. Amen. All right, John. Who are you? Hurricane John. All right. But I want to hear some something. Hurricane John. Yeah, all right. Praise God. And we all, listen, we all in here, how many of you have had storms in your life? Amen. Ah, but when that storm came and it huffed and it puffed and said it was going to blow your house down, it looks to me like you overcame it. Amen. So the storm is what came against you, but the hurricane is what you became. I challenge you this week to introduce yourself to somebody and say, hello, I am hurricane so-and-so. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Praise God. Number three disappointments. What is a disappointment? A disappointment is when you thought something was a sure thing 
Uh, you had counted on it. You had prepared for it. You, you, had, you had made a space for it. You know, this is what we would call it. You had an appointment. That was your appointment. It was yours. But something happened to it that it got canceled. So instead of it being your appointment, it became a disappointment. You see what I'm saying? So, and, and the reason that's hard is because you thought it was yours. You assumed that it belonged to you. It was your, but now because it didn't happen, it becomes a disappointment. And disappointments are hard to deal with. And they can zap your hope. Because all of a sudden you're thinking, well, what am I going to do now? Because, I mean, I, I thought they said, and, and I thought this was going to happen, and I, and I already made a provision, and, and I already made a way. And, 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 you know, I mean, my whole life was built for this moment and for this situation, and, and now it's not there. And so all of a sudden disappointment comes, and when that comes, of course, your hope begins to fall quickly. But I'm going to take you over to Genesis to some scriptures I read to you months ago that I was impressed. I don't have them in my notes, but I was impressed in the last service to read them. So I want to read them for you now. What do you do when your appointment is canceled? And I'm talking about like something you believed and you hoped for and you counted on and you planned for and, and you had your heart set on it. And, and I mean, it was just you invested into it. What are you going to do when it's dis disappointment comes? I love this in the Bible. I don't know why this hasn't been preached on more by preachers. It, it, it astounds me that they've, they've gone over this. But here in Genesis chapter 4 verse 1, and Adam knew his wife. Now how many of you know that doesn't mean that he recognized her? Exactly. Come on. How many of you know when it says Adam knew his wife here, it doesn't mean that he recognized her when she walked in the room. How many of you know there's another word here? Amen. Uh, Marvin Gaye had a song called Let's Get It On. Remember that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So Adam got busy with his wife, which is okay because it's his wife. Amen. How do we know he got busy? Because she conceived yeah. Yeah. and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. She was happy. She had a son. Amen. And she again bare his brother. She did not conceive again. So they were probably twins. We've covered that before. Didn't say she conceived again. Right. Said she bare again. Amen. Most likely she had twin brothers. Twin Amen. sons, Amen. Cain and Abel. Most churches won't tell you that because they don't read their Bible. But it's right there. That's right. Now we know what happens here. The process of time. It's time to bring an offering. Abel brings the proper offering that he's been told to bring. He's been shown by his father. God cut the first covenant in the garden where he used the, the blood of an animal when he made skins for Adam and Eve. They knew that's the kind of offering that God required. But Cain decided, well, look, I'm not even a hunter and I'm, just, I'm the tiller of the field and I don't care. I'm just going to bring something out of my field. I'm going to decide what I bring. And God said, oh, no, no. I've already told you what the right offering is. Abel brought his right offering. God accepted it. Cain brought the wrong offering and Cain and God rejected it and Cain got angry. And it's interesting that he got angry at Abel. Yeah. Uh -huh. He took it out on his brother. Yeah. Yeah. Abel didn't reject his offering. God rejected his offering. That's right. And he took it out on his brother and he murdered his brother. Can you imagine how Adam and Eve felt, especially Eve, now a mother in this situation? She has two sons and one of them has killed the other one. Now she has one dead son and a murderer for another one. Now, how many of you know that that would be disappointing? Do you think that was the plan she had for Cain? 
Don't you think as a mother, she was thinking as he's growing up, he's going to do this and that. And, and, and I mean, like every mother, she has high, high hopes for her son, but her son disappoints her. Yeah. But let me show you what, what happens. Here's what I love about God. And here's why you need to keep hope. Same chapter. Go down to verse um, 25. And Adam knew his wife again. Now, how many of you know what he did? How many of you know what it means when he knew? Okay. So let's get in. Okay. So we got it. So Adam knew his wife again. And guess what happened? She bare a son and called his name Seth. Now, hold on. Hold up a minute. So this is cool. She has another son. But listen to what the word Seth means. For God said she has appointed me another seed instead of Abel whom God slew. So God... After she was disappointed by the death of Cain, God had another appointment for her. And the appointment was the birth of Seth, who, by the way, became the first worship leader in the Bible. Amen. Says he called on the name of the Lord. What am I saying to you? If you keep your hope, God will have another appointment for you. God will have another appointment for you. God, if you get disappointed, if you'll keep your hope, God will have another, the 830 people got it. God will have another appointment for you. And in this case, this second appointment was better than the first appointment because it became something holy before God. The devil wants to tell you if you get disappointed, that's it. And God says, hold on a minute. You keep walking with me, keep your hope in me, and I'll give you another appointment. And this next appointment won't just be like the last one. It'll be one holy unto me. Amen. Can you shout it? Come on, give the Lord a shout now. Now, let me just tell you, the 830 people are all over that. All right, now. So let me give you a quote here. Eliza Tabor about disappointment. She said, disappointments to a noble soul is what cold water is to burning metal. It strengthens it, tempers it, intensifies it, but never destroys it. So I think that's a great quote. Number four, the reason people lose hope is bad news. How many of you have ever been having a great day? You're kind of cheerful. Things are good. <sighs> you kind of exhaled. You're relaxed. You're just enjoying life. You're thinking things are so, oh, I'm just so happy. I'm so good. And then you get the call. Then you get the text. Then you get the Facebook inbox messenger mess up stuff. Then you get the email. And isn't it amazing how you can go from here to here in a few seconds. And everybody on planet earth at some point or other, are, we're going to have to deal with some bad news. What is bad news? Well, I mean, we could, there's all kinds of stuff, but it's something that, you know, happens that changes the course of your life for that moment. I mean, it's, it's hard to deal with. We're all going to have some bad news. But who are you? Shout your name. Who are you? Shout your name when you say it. Who are you? All right, just remember that. Bad news. Some guy named Pastor Williams said this quote. I thought it was pretty good. He said, when a, bit of, when a bit of bad news comes, it will depend on your reaction as to whether it will be fatal or just become a season of change and growth. When a bit of bad news comes, it will depend on your reaction as to whether it will be fatal or just become a season of change and growth. So you've got to decide that when bad news comes, I'm just going to, I don't know how, but I'm going to grow out of this season. I'm, I'm, something good is going to come out of it after all. Amen. Now, 
I said this morning, and I want to help you with this. This is really big. You cannot help how people act. You cannot control how people act. I wish I could. Amen. You can't even control how people act, even if you've got some authority. You can't control because when they, when they act, they act. But you can control how you react. Amen. When somebody tries to tell you how bad somebody did you, you know, my, my mama did, my, my uncle did this, my, that, and, and they want to unload on you. She, can you believe she and he and they, and they and I just tell you this? Yeah. Here's what you should say. Well, you should say, okay, I, I hear that, and you may have a valid claim here. I have a question. How did you react to that? Mm. How did you react to the act? Now, you cannot, well, we, we can judge how they acted, and that's fair. Yeah, okay, we judge that. That's okay. But also, how did you react? Because that's going to tell me a lot about you and where you are and who you are, right? So you have to understand that. And, and in life, we're going to have this. All of us are going to have this stuff. As you get older, you hope that you mature to where when these things, bad news comes, something like that comes along, you, you hope that you get better. The prayer is that you become more mature Amen. so that you don't react Amen. the way they act. Amen. What did Jesus say to do to your enemies? He said two things, right. Love was one. What was the other one? So the first reaction should be what? Shout it. Who are you? All right. Just checking. Making sure you haven't lost your identity already. Amen. So love. But, but again, bad news. Now we're going to get bad news. Number five, loneliness is a reason people lose their hope. You know, when people get lonely, they begin to feel hopeless because, you know, the Bible says when one falls, it's, it's hard when one falls unless they have a fellow to lift them up. The Bible says that in the book of Proverbs. You need, when you, you know, when you fall, you need to know somebody's going to come by and pull you up. Amen. And if you don't feel like you have that in your life, then it can get very difficult. You can, be, you can lose hope. I said this morning, now loneliness does not mean being single. For all of you single people that think if I get married, that's going to solve my loneliness, that's a lie from hell. I know some married people that are lonely, or I know some others that are married and wish they were alone. <laughs> Marriage is not the solution for loneliness. The Bible is the solution for loneliness. He said in Hebrews 13, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. That's right. That's right, Father. I'm with you always. Amen. 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 But loneliness is real. I get that. You know what people misunderstand about me as a pastor? They say, Pastor William, he is just, he's a friendly guy. And he's just, I know he's just, he's got people around him. And he's just, you, you, you don't understand that my profession by, by its own nature causes me to feel loneliness sometimes. Because you don't, there are things you go through that you just can't talk to people about. You just can't, because it's no, no fault of the people, and it's no fault of the fact that, but it's just the fact that it's something on a level that's only going to deal with you, and, if, and, and, and I have a unique calling, and if you don't have that calling, you won't understand it. So being in a room full of a lot of people does not make you less lonely. What makes you 
less lonely is knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. Knowing who you are in Christ Jesus can make you feel. Here, here again, um, Kelly Moran, I like this. She said, I think only when you are truly alone can you see you never were. I like that quote. I think only when you're truly alone can you see you. In other words, that's when I, wait a minute. I never have been. He's been here all the way. I think back when I was a little kid growing up in that godless home I grew up in, I think about how it was and, and nobody in there knew God and nobody talked to God and nobody went to church. And yet I look back now and I can see moments where I know God was right there with me as a little kid growing up and I didn't even know he was there. Now, I was the last one. I'm the baby of the family, and I was born later in life. My mom's almost 43. All of my siblings were older than me. That's why I have four sisters I don't, didn't even know till my mom died, and they were 40 years old then uh, because they, were, they grew up at a different time and a different place away from me. And so me being the last one and the youngest one, I created my own little worlds. I created my own little stuff. I had, man, I had my whole, I had imaginary friends everywhere, man. They followed me everywhere I went. I even had a little band I'd take on the road with me, and I'd just go, you guys ready? You ready? And I just, I know, listen, you're listening to me preach this morning. That's scary. But anyway, (laughs) you got to know something about your pastor. I have an imagination. But it's only sometimes when you're alone, you realize you never truly were. I, I can see now where God was with me back when I was a little boy and I wasn't even a Christian, but he was there to try to guide me into those days of my life. Number six, this, uh, a reason for being hopeless, the sense that things will never change. Have you, have you ever felt like that? That this situation's permanent? I'm never, it's never going to change. Have you ever, you probably said it, this is never going to change. It's never going to, and you just throw your hands up. But you know, that's just not true. But if you get that attitude in your mind, you'll become hopeless. Because you'll think that things can never change, and they really can. Can you shout amen? Uh, Val Emick said, now he was talking from, uh, from one person to the next. I'm going to read it differently in this session. He was talking about some person. He said, even when it feels hopeless, like everything are talking about, when everything is telling him to let go, this time, maybe this time he won't let go. He'll just hold on and he'll keep going. He'll keep going until he sees the sun. And that's what you got to do when things seem like they'll never change. You got to keep going until you finally see something different. Amen. Amen. When you're caught in that moment, it'll make you believe things will never change. But you serve the God who's the creator of heaven and earth. Can you shout amen? amen. Who are you, Mr. Herman? Call him Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How many of you got that? You knew what I just did. <laughs> okay. Lord, we need help, don't we? Mr. Herman. Are you Hurricane Herman? Okay, just want to make sure. <laughs> Number seven, reason people lose hope, betrayal. Betrayal. Uh, I always say the hardest and worst betrayal is a parent and a child because your children you die for. Uh, most of us that, from my generation at least, and you younger people, please listen a minute. Uh, I know you don't understand our generation, I get that, but I will tell you about our generation, I'm talking about my age generation, we would die for our children. And most of us went to work sick, hurt, sometimes disappointed, sometimes depressed, but we went to work for one reason, our kids back at our house. And what is so hard to understand 
is you do all of that for your children and then they suddenly get a group of friends out in the world that mix in with them and suddenly you become the enemy to your child and these become their friends when these people wouldn't die for them, wouldn't go sweat for them, wouldn't do anything for them, but you're the one who's done all this stuff. And so when a child turns on a parent, it's probably the deepest betrayal on the earth. Yes, it is. Can you shout amen? Now, no matter what kind of betrayal you go through, Toba Beta said, if you're betrayed, release disappointment at once. By that, by that way, the bitterness has no time to take root. Because the one thing about betrayal, it'll cause bitterness if you don't deal with it. Because you'll stew over it, and you'll stew over it, and you'll stew over it, and then you'll try to get some others mixed into your stew, and before you know it, it you'll just spread it. So, but, and it'll cause you to be hopeless. Can you shout amen? amen? Number eight, being without help. How many of you have ever felt like there's nobody to help me? Uh, back in 1981, when I lost everything, and, and the, this is the beginning, it was actually 80 and then going into 81. When I lost everything, my sister, I love her, and she may even watch this, but it's the truth. She knew I was struggling. I was going through a horrible, horrible uh, divorce of my life and my little girl being left with me, no money. My lights got cut off in our apartment in the middle of the winter. I didn't have any money. To, there was days before I could get them cut back on. And, and I looked around. My, my little old mom was alive, but she didn't have two cents to her name. My mom got a little government check every month. She lived in South Central Village. And I, I've never asked, I never asked my, my mother for money as an adult in my whole life. Think about that. Never. Never did I ask my mother for a penny. Now, she didn't have anything. My brother would take the few dollars she had. He was older than me. I never asked my mother for anything. So it felt like when I went through that, I had nowhere to turn for help. But because I knew the Bible, I got some hope until help came. See, hope will keep you going until help arrives. Oh, you ought to write that down. Hope will keep you going until help arrives. I want to say it again. That's, that's, that's a diamond right there. Hope will keep you going to help arrives. Uh, another, this pastor, this guy, Pastor Williams, said this about this too. He said, sometimes the only way to get help or to heal is to get your hope and to get your hope back is to find someone who has less to hope for than you do. So just go find somebody that's having a harder time in your life their life than you are and go help them. And you know what's going to happen? It'll cause you, not only will you give them hope, it'll cause you to have hope as well. Can you shout amen? Number nine, just being without, and I'm going to just add the word provision. You know, it's hopeless when you don't have any money. You don't have any credit. You know, things that the world says, you got to have this. You can't have anything. You get nothing unless you have some money, you have some credit, you have some financial backing, you have, and you can feel hopeless. And I've been there. I just said it a minute ago, back in that time. I've been there where we didn't, we, we've come to church before praying that we had enough gas to get here and enough gas to get back. It hasn't been recently, but we've been there. Amen. And that'll cause you to feel hopeless. Can you shout amen? amen? This Pastor William guy's got another quote here. How did he get so many in here? He said, when you look around and discover that even if you could get help, that you don't have the resources to get that help, remember that prayer is still a resource. So when you don't have anything else, you still have prayer and prayer can bring you what you need. Number, finally, number 10, the belief that no one values you can cause you to be without hope. 
Now again, I don't know how this Pastor William guy got four quotes in out of this. I don't know how he got them all in here. But he said, remember that the enemy hates you and will do everything he can to convince you that no one cares. But God will never let you go without someone who loves you, whether you know them or not. Can you shout amen? So, I just want to, I'm going to begin to wind this down. I want to read one other verse from Job chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. This is a story about the tree, but it's, I like the way it is in the message. Listen to this. Job 14, 7 through 9 says, for a, for a tree, there's always hope. Chop it down and it still has a chance. Its roots can put out fresh sprouts. Even if its roots are old and gnarled and its stump long dormant, at the first whiff of water, it comes to life, buds, and grows like a sapling. So what does that have to do with our subject? Well, at the first whiff of hope, the first whiff of hope, no matter what you think that has died and will never be revived in your life again, can come back with just a little bit of hope. Amen. The reason we've taken so many weeks, and I would like to preach other things to you, but the reason I preached so hard for so many weeks on the subject of hope, and if you can bear it, I still have one last sermon on this that I know I didn't get to. Are you okay if we have one more? By the way, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? So this week, when if a disappointment comes, if a storm tries to come, the little news that you don't like has to come, somebody doesn't do what you like comes, I want you to know you can respond and you can become a hurricane. And you know all you need to get back on your feet and to live again and to win again is just a little bit of hope. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again. Thank <laughs> you.